All right, you guys excited about Missions Month? I am too. I'm actually going to just kind of jump right in today, um, and I'm going to speak off of uh, of those three words. We are there, but I'm going to do it kind of Yoda-esque. Instead of we are there, I'm going to do there we are. You know, you guys familiar with Yoda? You know, there we are. You know what I mean? So we're going to do that. Instead of we are there, we're going to do there we are. And we're going to look at each one of these words. And uh, for example, when we say uh, there, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write some things down today because I believe it's going to encourage you and hopefully even equip you. When we say there, what we're talking about is the same thing that Jesus talked about. And that is neighborhoods and nations. When we say we are there, we're talking about neighborhoods and nations. You guys remember um, before Jesus ascended to go to the Father over in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he's talking to his disciples and he says that you guys are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is great because we've been going through a, a series on the Holy Spirit. We're going to get back in that whenever this uh, missions month is, is done. But he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even the remotest part of the earth. And so you guys know they were already in Jerusalem. Remember he said, uh, but stay in Jerusalem and wait for the gift that my father has promised. So they were already in Jerusalem. He says, stay in Jerusalem and in all of Judea. Jerusalem was a city in, uh, in the province of Judea. And then just above that was Samaria. And then, you know, it keeps going out from there. And so Jesus was giving his, his disciples uh, some insight on spreading the gospel. gospel. And he's talking about ministering in our own neighborhoods and taking it to the nations. And when I say that, you, gotta, you have to know that it's not just one or the other. It's both. It's not only neighborhoods, only local, or only nations, only global. It's both. Uh, you probably, bo- or like me, you know people who have a heart for, for local missions. And uh, they always get so frustrated with people who always got to go. You know, why do you always have to go somewhere else to go minister the gospel? Why can't you do that right in your own neighborhood? Why can't you witness people in your own backyard? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? You know, and let me just say something. I've experienced that a lot of times the people that say those kinds of things aren't actually doing anything themselves. You know, in a way, it's just kind of an excuse. They're just kind of excusing their complacent uh, non-activity in their life. But you also have the other side of that. You have the people that have been literally called to missions, global missions that get frustrated when other people don't go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why can't you just get up and do something? Why can't you just believe God will send you? Why can't you just go? Why do you got to be lazy and sit there in the USA? You know? so, but the deal is it's, it's both uh, and. It's not either or. It's both and. And not only did Jesus instruct his disciples in this, he also modeled it. And I want to show you that. Look at Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 starts actually uh, with Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. So we know that Jesus just got through being baptized by John the Baptist, says that the Holy Spirit led him into the desert to be tempted by uh, the devil. And most of us know that story. If you don't, you need to read that. Um, But the devil tempted him on three different occasions. And it says that Jesus overcame the devil with the power of the word, really. And then over in verse 13, it says, when the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an appointed time. And then look at verse 14. And the heading over this section in my Bible says, um, oh, I lost it. 
Where did it go? The wind. The wind was blowing. The, the heading over this section in my Bible says Jesus' public ministry. Okay, so this is how Jesus started his public ministry. He was baptized. He went out into the desert, was tempted by the enemy. And then he begins his public ministry. And here's how it says he started it. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And in case you don't realize this, Galilee is the province that is just above Samaria. You've got Judea, Samaria, and then, um, uh, and then uh, Galilee, this province right above that. Well, that was where Jesus was from. That was the province or, or bigger area that Jesus was from. And so when Jesus starts his ministry, he goes back to the very province that he was uh, born in and came in. Um, and then it says in verse 16, well, it goes on to say, and news spread about him through all the surrounding districts, and he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And then look at verse 16. It says, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. So he went not just to Galilee, but he went to Nazareth, his very own neighborhood. Now, let me just say that what that doesn't mean <laughs> is that if you get saved, and you have a heart for ministry and you want to start ministering people that you have to go start in your hometown. And if you don't, then you're not doing it the way Jesus did. That's not what's going on here. Uh, more than anything else, Jesus is trying to, to show God's desire to minister, for us to minister to those who are around us, for us to minister where we're at. And we know that this is something that Jesus talked about all the time. He's constantly talking about your neighbor. He's talk, always talking about being a light where you're at. Uh, how many times did he say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, one of the occasions I was reading this week, and I never saw this actually, but I saw it this week over in Mark 12, 33. You can write that down. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And it says this, to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. In other words, to love one's neighbor, to minister to them, to reach out to them, is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. In other words, religious activities. He's saying it's all the religious activities that you do. It really doesn't mean anything if you're not willing to minister to those who are right there in your own neighborhood. You guys following with me? Am I going too fast? I'm going to be going this fast because we got a little time, okay? But I promise we'll get done. So your very own neighborhood. And then over in Luke 10 where he talks about loving the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And loving your neighbor as yourself. One guy asks him, well, who is my neighbor? And earlier, uh, I think it was Melissa was talking about the good Samaritan. That God is our good Samaritan. Well, whenever the guy asks, who is my neighbor? Jesus starts telling him the story of the good Samaritan. If you don't know the story of the good Samaritan, go and read that. But it's a great example of if there is someone in need right there in front of us. And we have the ability to meet that need. It would be very unchristian for us not to meet that need. You guys hear what I'm saying? If someone right there in front of you is hungry, or they need shelter, they need food, and we're not, uh, and we have the capability of doing that, then we ought to do that. That is part of the point of. Uh, there's lots of points to the Good Samaritan, but that is one of the major points of that story. So Jesus, going back to his own uh, hood, you know what I mean affirms God's desire for us to minister where we are, for us to minister right there in our own neighborhoods. But look what it says. It goes on over in verse 25. Actually, let's just read it from there because I want you to get the whole deal. Uh, in verse 17, it says, And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He was in the synagogue. He, and the book of Isaiah was handed to him. And so he opened it to the part where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus. I'm going to read this part. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recover the sight of the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And it says, and he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all who were speaking well of him, all were speaking well of him and wondered, and were wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? Well, this is, of course, that's what they're saying. It was from the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Is this not Joseph's kid? And he said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do here in your own hometown as well. And then he said, and I want you to listen carefully. Truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his own hometown. But this is the part I want you to see, verse 25. But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over the land, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon. To a woman who was a widow. And you remember the time where all the lepers were in the Israel, in the time of Elisha the prophet? And none of them were cleansed. None of the people of Israel were cleansed. Only Naaman the Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they got up, drove him out of the city, and led him to the brow of the hill, which they were going to throw him over the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went his way. See, what was going on is just there in a snippet. He, he went to his hometown, but there for a snippet, he was basically saying, you know what? The good news, the provision of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord is not just for Israel. It is for Israel, but it's also for other nations. Right there in that one instant, we see uh, the affirmation that God's heart is also for the nations. Yet the, it says that the people were enraged. The people of Israel, of course, there was a lot of pride and prejudice going on right there. You know what I'm saying? We're God's people, not the other nations. We're not going to do that. A lot of pride, a lot of prejudice, prejudice going on there. You know what? Sometimes I think that, that we forget that God's desire has and always will be to redeem people from every nation, from every tribe, from every tongue, from every people. We can see that all the way back with Abraham. You guys remember God said to Abraham, in you, <clears throat> all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. And of course, this is a messianic prophecy because we know that Jesus was, um, came from the seed of Jesse. Jesse was from the tribe of Judah. You know, Judah was a son of Isaac. Isaac was um, uh, Jacob. I, Jacob was a son of Isaac. Isaac was a son of Abraham. Jesus was from the very lineage of Abraham. You know, and so this, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This is a messianic prophecy. And Jesus fulfilled that in that not only would he go to his own neighborhood, he went to the nations. He talked, well, he didn't go to the nations. He stayed right there. But he talked about going to the nations. It's important. Your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the remotest parts of the earth. I know I'm going really fast. You with me? Okay. And so I think when you understand, you guys, when you understand that God's heart is for both uh, neighborhoods and nations, for people near and far. And here's the deal. You realize, really, that no one is exempt from the call to be his witness. When you get the picture that God's heart painted in Jesus about his, you know, going to his own neighborhoods, 
heart for the nations, Jesus talked about it, goes all the way back to Abraham. When you realize that God's heart is for those near and far, you realize you can't outrun his call for all of us, all of you, to be a witness. And that's why we use the word we. We are there. Not them are there. It's not even proper. You know what I mean? Them are there. You know, they are there. Those people will go there. All of those other people will go there. See, what I I think happens is that we tend to excuse our lack of passion and our lack of even interest by convincing ourselves that missions is for somebody else. Missions is for other people. You know, it's for them. It's for those other people. Well, listen, turn to John 17. I want to show you. That's not what Jesus said. John chapter 17, we'll start in verse 13. I'll let you catch up, but I'm going to go ahead and start reading. In verse 13, John 17, verse 13, this is when Jesus is praying for his disciples. It says, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. Talking about his disciples. He's praying for his disciples. He's still praying for his disciples. Amen. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of this world. Even as I am not of this world, I do not ask that you take them out of this world, which is what most people just wish is take me out of Calgon, take me away. You know, I do not ask that you take them out of this world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world. Even as I am not of this world, sanctify them in the truth. In other words, set them apart. Your word is truth. And then look at verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself. I set myself apart that they themselves also may set themselves apart in truth. And then if you look over in John 20, you can write this down. I'm not going to turn there, but I'll go ahead and read it. John 20, verse 21, he's actually talking to his disciples this time. And he says uh, to them, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Remember, he's talking to his disciples you guys, this, we read this scripture and he's still talking to his disciples. He's still talking to you and me. If you're writing things down, write this down. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you cannot escape the call to be a minister and a missionary. If you belong to Christ, if you follow Christ, if you're a Christian, you can't escape the call to be a minister and a, min- a missionary. And when I say minister, I'm talking about a minister of reconciliation. A minister of reconciliation. By the way, that word minister means to serve. It actually has the connotation of a a waiter. One who serves food and one who serves water. In fact, look at Romans. I tell you what, you don't have to turn there, but write it down as a reference. I'm going to read it to you. Romans 5.8 says this. this. This is great. And this is all, man... I was listening to all the stuff that's going on in worship. I'm like, oh my Lord, the Lord has orchestrated this day for us. It is very good that we are here <laughs> today. You know, Romans 5, 8 through 11, most of us are familiar with, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then it says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. 
So you look at this scripture here in Romans chapter 5, and you can see that we have been served. Everybody look at me. We have been served this wonderful course of bread of life and living water. Jesus Christ came, he ministered, he served us this wonderful meal, this bread of life, the living water. You can call it reconciliation. What's that meal called? I'd like that on the menu. It's called reconciliation. He's reconciled us back to the Father. I once was far off. I once was separated from God, but now I've been reconciled back to Him. And so um, you think about what Paul was saying in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5. He says, all these things are from God. And then he says, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now we are servers of reconciliation. Now we are the carriers. We are waiters. And what we have on this platter is the bread of life and the living water. Not that we are the bread of life, not that we are the living water, but we have been introduced and we have been given that very ministry to go and minister and so serve others, to bring that course, that meal to others. You guys following me? And so now we've become ministers of the same good news that reconciled us to God. Now there's a scripture in Colossians chapter 4, verse uh, 17. I think it's up here on the scripture. Where's the PowerPoint? We don't have PowerPoint? Oh, we don't. Wow. You guys are following me? I just realized I forgot to email the PowerPoint to the sound booth. It's okay. You guys are following me though, right? That stinks because I spent so much time on that PowerPoint. I had things floating around on it. It was going to go... Whoosh. Anyway, not really. That's okay, but you guys are following me. Um, it's actually in the drop box if you want. It's okay. It's all right. I'm going to be done by the time you pull it up. But in uh, Colossians 4, chapter 7, Paul's writing and he says, Say to Archippus, y'all listen to me carefully. Say to Archippus, he's calling out one guy in particular. He says, Say to him, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Now, that word take heed means to discern. Discern the ministry that, um, which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Now I read this and I think Paul's talking to this guy individually. He's calling him out specifically. And he says, take heed, discern the ministry. Now, the word is ministry, but right here I feel very confident that he is calling Archippus, maybe even speaking prophetically towards him, reminding him that there's a call in your life. And I believe it's a missionary call. He says, take heed to discern the ministry and that you may fulfill it. Because a missionary, you think about a missionary. A missionary is someone who has a specific assignment to go to another culture and to communicate, to minister, to serve the gospel there. Amen? Essentially, am I, can we be a, min, a missionary here? Of course. But we're distinguishing between a minister and even a missionary right here. Someone who has a specific assignment to go to another culture and spread the good news. We have some Old Testament models of that. We know that uh, Jonah was sent to Nineveh. God said, Jonah, go to that specific place in the specific time. Go there. And he was a missionary to that. It may have been for a short while, but he was sent. You look at the New Testament models. Uh, it talks about Paul had three different major missionary journeys when he went away for, a, for quite a while to uh, spread the gospel, to build um, disciples and to plant churches there and all the things that he did. Um, eventually, he ended up sending Timothy to be the pastor of Ephesus. So Timothy, though he was a pastor, he was a servant, he was a, uh, a waiter there <laughs> in Ephesus. Though he was a pastor, he was a missionary. Some people don't see pastors as missionaries, but he very much was. And in the modern day, um, 
examples of that. I was thinking this week about a couple of people hanging on that back wall. Um, uh, Kate Turner and uh, Erica Krause. They're over in Haiti. We support them as a church. The money that you give um, when you tithe, part of that goes to support those two girls over in Haiti. They are missionaries. They have had a specific assignment to go there. How long? They don't know, but it'll be until God says, go somewhere else or to change the direction. Uh, I was thinking about uh, Kat. Caprio, she's from Greece. She came here. She's getting educated. She's actually going to go back to Greece. She has been going back to Greece on short-term summer missions, but it's going to, her plans are to go there long-term. She has a special assignment that she discerned from the Lord, and she's going to go back there. Amen? And even thinking about uh, Melissa and I. Melissa and I heard the voice of the Lord very specifically. Tyler, Texas. I want you in Tyler, Texas. And so our life revolves around Tyler, Texas. Even in Tyler, Texas, we're pastors here of this church. But we are missionaries because it is a special, unique assignment here in this nation. Amen? And I don't feel guilty about that in one way. Remember, it's both and. Amen? Um, And in fact, I, I won't tell too much of this story, but you know, when Melissa and I got together uh, first, I wasn't even saved. And one of the things she would talk about is how she wanted to be a a missionary. I was like, a what? (laughs) You know, a missionary? What does that mean? I thought she was saying mercenary. And I was like, good Lord. (laughs) You know, it's got the alias thing going on, you know, ninja stars. And, but she wanted to be a missionary. And I can remember just thinking, (coughs) thinking, whatever, (laughs) you know, I didn't even know the Lord. I certainly wasn't going to go somewhere and spread the Lord. You know what I mean? Um, And I tell you, uh, even after I got saved, it still wasn't necessarily in my heart. The the whole ministry thing and just missionaries, especially. I was kind of, I'm a homeboy. I'm from, you know, I'm a homeboy, you know, and I'm from here. And uh, in fact, that was really a a difficult thing for, for Melissa, especially to wrestle with our first few years of marriage. Because she felt like God had called her to be a missionary. You know, we had some difficult times and some rocky times, but through those, one of the things that Lord showed us very clearly is our specific assignment was here in Texas until it's no longer here in Texas. And one of the things that we have found out together is that Melissa is a missionary and I'm a missionary. And thus far, we're missionaries here. Who knows if God will call us to Timbuktu one of these days? Maybe. But for now, our specific assignment is right here. Now, here's the problem. Few people really heed the call. Few people are really listening and discerning the call. And so they don't fulfill the assignments as ministers and missionaries to go both near and far. Listen to me close. Few people. Well, there's missionaries everywhere. Yeah, but think of the the, uh, percentages here. Few people heed the call. Few people are discerning that call from the Lord and are, are actually going and fulfilling those assignments as ministers. And it's usually because of fear. It's usually because of fear. And if you're writing things down, write this down. Fear is one of the greatest obstacles to overcome when trying to discern our ministry. Fear. It's one of the greatest obstacles to overcome when we're trying to discern from the Lord where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing. I think that's why I like this word are. We are there. You know? Are is not a passive word. It's a very strong word. It's not passive like maybe. We might be there. You know what I mean? Possibly we might go. Could be. <laughs> you know, there, it's, it's a confident word. There's no fear attached to that word, are. In fact, are is all about faith, isn't it? We are there. Marvin talked last week about faith. He talked about how the meaning of that word means strong conviction. 
and confidence. And those are the two words I want to focus on, on this word. Are, we are there. I am convicted that God said go. And I am confident that he will protect and provide as I go. You hear what I'm saying? We all need to hear this because we are full of fear and we don't, we don't discern and heed and go on the little assignments near and far that God wants us to. Why? Because we're afraid. But bottom line is, if he said go, you got to go. And you're confident that he's going to protect you. Yes, going to another country, it can be scary. But come on. You know? He protects us. Yeah, going to another country, that's expensive. You know how the plane tickets cost for that? Yeah. And when he sends you, he will provide for you to go. You just have to discern if it's time for you to go and where that's supposed to be. Amen? You know, the only real definition of faith given in Scripture, the only definition of what faith is, is found in Hebrews 11, chapter 1. Faith is this, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you read this and you realize that faith is now. You hear what I'm saying? Faith is now, or it's not faith at all. Faith is in the present tense. Hope is in the future, but faith is in the present tense. So faith is not passive, it's active. You guys hear what I'm saying? We're talking about missions. We're going to be talking a lot about missions. And if you're going to talk about it, one thing you better have in your bag of tricks is faith. And faith is not passive Faith is active because everyone is called to be a minister. We talked about what it means to be a minister, to be a servant, where you're at, near or far, to be a minister. That's active. You're actively doing that. You're actively offering people that plate of good news, that plate, that plate of bread of life. And I'm going to say this, and some of you may agree, some of you may not agree, but I believe that everyone is called to participate in missions. You are. Everyone is called to participate in missions. Some go, some give, some uh, stay and pray, and some actually go away. (laughs) That rhymed? We'll do that all day. (laughs) Seriously, though, some go, but some give. Listen, some can't go because... Uh, they're not able to. Maybe physically they're not able to. Maybe they have jobs that just don't, maybe they have kids. My wife is probably, you know, she, she wanted to go to missions last summer. We just had a baby. She couldn't go. You know, some people can't go. So there's times and seasons where people can't go. But guess what? You can give. You can give to those who aren't going. Guess what else? You can pray. If you're going to stay, at least pray. You know, and one of these days, being faithful in that, giving and praying and, and, and stuff, the Lord will allow a season for you to go if that's on your heart. Bottom line, passivity is not an option for a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're all meant to participate. Now, I want to close with this because I know Marvin's got some things he wants to do with the team leaders. Um, and I have several other things that I, want to, that I could share. I'll share it another time. The last scripture I want to do, uh, show you is in Luke 17, verse 5. And it's where the apostles, we know that these are the disciples of Jesus Christ, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. They said this to the Lord, increase our faith, increase our faith. And what I want to do before Marvin and the team leaders come up to share about the trips, I want us to stand and this was supposed to be on the PowerPoint, but it's not, but you can just repeat after me, stand. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Okay. And I hope this is more than just words uh, that you're saying, but it truly will be your prayer this morning. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus. Increase my faith today. today. 
Help my faith move from passive to active. Convict my heart as to when and where I can be a witness for you. Give me the confidence to believe that you will provide. Give me the confidence to believe that you will protect. Protect me and provide, Lord, as I go out into this world and serve the lost. Use me, God, to bring your message of reconciliation to those near and far. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might be empowered to share the good news and to share it with boldness and sincerity. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated.